You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly. Thanks for listening to Cyberlaw Business Report. Before you take a recess to hear the latest internet law news and commentary, you are hereby ordered to download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Okay. Maybe not ordered, but why not? You can listen live to my show and all our show hosts every day on our live stream or download past episodes with ease. So download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes store or in the Google Play store. It's an open and shut case. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. And... Um, welcome to Cyberlong Business Report. Um, we've got another great show for you. We're broadcasting live today from IOLA in Hollywood because um, we're doing a special show focusing on um, the booming business that is co-working um, locations. And um, so we're going to have the start the show with a perspective of a co-working owner um, in New York, and then we're going to be talking to someone here in um, Hollywood about their experience working at IOLA. So um, it's a booming business, and um, we're going to start off with um, Jason Salzman. He's the founder of Alley NYC, uh, which is self-described as the most badass co-working space on the planet. Um, we'd love to hear his research on that. Um, Jason, are you with us? I am, and I, first of all, I want to thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, at the NYC, um, we're, 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 we're totally have the opportunity, we're happy to have the opportunity to be able to speak about the, about our community here. So. And, um, 
I mean, actually, first of all, I want to thank Harrow, um, help a reporter out for you know, helping us locate people like you and, um, and our, our next guest as well. And um, so um, hats off to them. But you know, I think one reason I, I, I chose you, Jason, was because you were just so exuberant and enthusiastic about this space. And um, I mean, so how is it that you, you came into um, the co-working space and, and, and why does it excite you so much? Right. So I have a background in real estate and uh, online marketing, um, and I never really liked what I did. I never really liked the verticals I was in real estate. You know, it, it, although it is an interesting vertical, it just never really made my life fulfilled. I never feel felt a sense of purpose um, in what I was doing. I never really loved what I did. So um, when I had the opportunity um, working on a tech, working on an actual tech product. Um, uh, getting more familiar and acclimated with the New York City tech technology community, um, we noticed how co-working was a growing uh, a growing business, and we noticed that there was a need for it, especially in the Midtown area, because if anybody's familiar with New York City, um, Silicon Alley has been segregated to a small part of New York City that's below you know 18th Street. Um, it never really was in mainstream New York City. Um, and we felt that with with the tr- with the huge transportation hub in Midtown, you know, th- there was a definite lack of this type of space that was there. So, uh, my partners and I decided to invest in taking a 10-year lease in a 16,000 square foot uh, space in Midtown Manhattan uh, to groom a community. And when I had the opportunity to do it, um, I kind of jumped at it because I, I just felt it in my heart that I wanted to be part of a community. I wanted to build, take my real estate and marketing knowledge and apply it to a technology, a, a thriving technology entrepreneurial community in New York City and make a difference in the world. Um, and that's uh, exactly what, what we're doing, and that's uh, kind of the abridged version of how I got involved. And uh, seven months later, and we're completely filled, um, we're taking about 10,000 more square feet on the same floor, so we'll have the whole floor. So we have about 26, 27,000 square feet uh, coming up. We have about 16,000 square feet now. We have 250 members um, and about 87 startups, actually 88, because we just signed a new member on today. And we have a 200-person waiting list yeah. to actually get in, into the space as well. So, um, so, so, yeah, so the abridged version is real estate hated my life, got into this community, felt a sense of purpose, uh, the community grew itself. The amazing people that are here uh, spawned an, an, an entrepreneurial spirit that 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 seeps with with, with collaboration, innovation. Um, that you know the New York City tech community is all about. So now it, it seems that you know, your business, um, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, you know, you're um, you're Ali MIC, and um, it's almost it, the the logo looks like it's almost hyphenated. And, and in some ways, you know, your, your business model is hyphenated. You're, you're, you're a real estate play. Um, you're an um, incubator, um, whether, you, you know, you, you, whether that's your, part of your stated purpose or not. It, it just happens that way. Um, you're a venue. Um, you host a lot of events, right? And then what you've also done that seems really interesting is that you've created a market. You've made yourself a middleman. Um, for a um, a market that was hard to reach earlier, but you basically con- started, and you and your, your your other companies that do this are are creating um, 
a market for um, people who provide services to startups because you know, you've created well, a concentrated you concentrated area where they can be reached rather than being you know, trying to find correct. all throughout New York. Absolutely. So, we, we, one of our main goals you know, was to kind of bridge the gap between big, large institutions um, and, and that offered, you know, let's say a law firm like our, our law firm partner, Mintz Levin, who's a very large law firm, um, they wanted into the community, you know, for obvious reasons. And, and just to let, you know, the audience know, you know, how that works, um, is any startup is kind of like a seed stage, you know, that, that, that's in our space. Um, it's sometimes it could be the cur- a kernel of an idea, and sometimes it could be a startup that has a Series A to D round funding. Um, to have the, the the opportunity as a lawyer to get involved and give advice to these startups is kind of planting a seed that you're there for them. You know, we want in this community, we want to support the community um, because at, and the ROI on on a big business side of things is that should that startup go public or should that startup get an enhanced round of funding, they're going to need legal advice, and who else are they going to go to but the individual or the organization that gave them advice at a very early stage. Um, so that's one initiative that's been proved, and that's the proof of concept that's been there, and that's another revenue stream for our space to engage sponsors um, and large sponsorships to get them involved. Um, because there is, if you're a forward-thinking institution, there is there is an ROI, a huge ROI in getting involved with this type of community. Um, also, on top of that, I'd just like to mention a lot of big businesses are getting involved because they want to a change from their bureaucratic way of working where things are so slow-moving and their competition is not another big company. It's actually an individual working at a co-working desk that doesn't have to go through all the red tape to get something built. That is completely disruptive to any given vertical. And for, for, for a large organization to see that and to tap into that um, is, 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 is going is to pay huge dividends in the end rather than create a, a, a barrage of competition that they never even expected. You know, Google started in a, uh, in a garage, you know, and now it's a, a huge business. That's what's happening right now. So we have uh, sponsors such as... Uh, Samsung getting involved with the space and other, you know, large sponsor names that are trying to not only plant the seeds and get involved with the startup community, but also change their way of doing work as, as they do it now, with, which is, uh, you know, trying to, like, steer a cruise ship. So, I mean, it is interesting that, yeah, it's a, it's a new model, and but it works on so many different levels. I mean, you know, the middleman purpose is is huge the venues i mean what what have what what have you had an event last night right yeah we had an event last night i i think a bigger a better example i mean we have events all week long right but the larger ones for instance that the corporate that we're getting large corporate sponsors for instance condé nast we did the first ever fashion hackathon sponsored by condé nast um in the space and uh over a, and uh, over a weekend I don't know if your viewers are too are too familiar with with a hackathon and what what a hackathon is, but it's it's a competition for the best application to be created over a short amount of time period, and normally it's over a weekend. So in this instance, Condé Nast um, had their initiatives. They had a fashion brief to talk about 
the pains of the fashion world and what needs to be solved and what's relevant for, for, for fashion to be disrupted in, in, in tech. And we had over 600 programmers in our space over a weekend long building over 70 applications to solve pains in the fashion world um, for prizes and notor- notoriety. I mean, and now you have a, you have a, a situation where these, these young developers, really they're doing it for the contest. They, the, they're doing it uh, to be competitive, the competitive aspect. But in bi- the big business mind of things, these developers got products built in 48 hours that would have taken Condé Nast or any large bureaucratic institution years to build, and they did it in a 48-hour time period, and they did it for really nothing. <laughs> and it's great for the community. It's great for every, all the developers to get together and, and hang out with each other, and it's really great for them to learn a new vertical because a lot of the verticals out there are being used over and over again. They're being saturated um, healthcare, and there is, there's definitely a huge need for new pains to be solved in healthcare. However, there's a huge shift towards that and the education vertical. But a vertical like fashion, a developer wouldn't even think to get involved because they wouldn't understand the pains that could be solved through technology. And now uh, an event like that opens up a whole new world for them to build applications and, and to, to disrupt, uh, to disrupt a, a, a whole entirely new space for them, which so, needs it. So you are, I mean, that's another element I hadn't thought of. You're basically um, engaged in crowdsourcing. You're correct, yeah, crowdsourced product development, I guess you'd say. And yeah. with, crowdsourced pro- with crowdsourced product development, you have crowdsource feedback. You get feedback from the crowd by presenting your ideas. There is no such thing as working in a vacuum when it comes to engaging one of these hackathons. Um, You actually pitch your idea as an entrepreneur and you build a team around your idea of who's actually interested in building it. So you're actually crowdsourcing your idea. You're validating your idea by having people come and be part of the build because most developers, the good developers, especially in New York City, will not build anything if they don't feel that it's a good product, if their heart's not into it. Um, so, so, so you're actually getting a sense of validation in that process, and you're building it for the goal of having a major institution potentially fund the idea. You know, there are going to be products that are, that are, that are going to disrupt that are built in a 48-hour time period. <laughs> Which is amazing. We have a say. We have a saying here. What took you six months took me three days, <laughs> and that's how. That's that. That's a great. That's a great way of looking at you know a collaborative work environment like like Alley NYC. So. And um, you know this space. I don't know if you've seen any of the data in terms of the size of the industry, but um, in there was a survey done that in 2010 there was like only 670 co-working spaces worldwide. And now there's um, there's even there's up to two, 2070, 2070, and there's even in one in Wasilla, Alaska. Um, but it's unclear <laughs> whether you can see Russia from there. But um, amazing. And so it, it's just you know, the, the the breadth and and, the, and just the dramatic takeoff is um, astounding. Yeah, I mean I think that a major contributor 
to the growth of co-working spaces is not just the real estate play that's involved. You have to see far beyond the real estate play. Obviously, if anybody out there wants to know more about the, the co-working business model, it works much like a gym membership where square footage in a real estate play is really not taken into consideration. It's really how many people you can actually fit in your space that your space will allow you and to understand that you can sell shared desks multiple times so it works like a gym membership where not everybody comes in at the same time. So you can essentially sell one desk multiple times. Now, that is a sustainable business model. But the truth about co-working and the real value is what you do once you build an amazing community and how you can actually benefit that community by getting them opportunities outside just a real estate play to bring them into your space. Um, for instance, you know, like, like, a, like an institution like Condé Nast that's looking, obviously the magazine industry is suffering uh, for the last, uh, uh, you know, however, 10 years, however it's been dying, they're looking for new technology to be built. You know, what better way of tapping into the new technology than getting into the young developer stage? And what great opportunity for these young developers to come out of a school or, or not even go to school and work for an institution like Condé Nast and actually be noticed on what they're actually building. So what I'm trying to say, the overall picture of things, is there's a lot more value than just a real estate play if you would like to invest. I mean, the future of, of Alley NYC, well, we have a lot of initiatives, <laughs> so I won't bore you with those. But um, the obvious initiatives would be t we have a bird's-eye view into the talent pool of entrepreneur, entrepreneurs and developers where we can actually take these, these unbelievable products that are being built and we can actually invest in these products and help them grow. We can actually provide incubator tools um, and mentorship tools. We have access to venture capital firms that everybody wants to be part of these spaces. Um, no, it's I like think, it, uh... You know, I wonder yeah. whether you, you're also your next venture should be crowdsourcing snow shoveling after last week. But um, we're <laughs> and we can answer that when we come back after these messages. You're listening to WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest in digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. Discuss and shape the future of performance marketing in New York City, March 12th to the 13th at the Performance Marketing Insights Conference. Come hear from and talk to other global industry leaders as they share how they're developing new revenue streams, deploying the latest technologies, preparing for increased regulation, and leveraging for the most effective digital advertising channels. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners can save 15% on registration by using the promo code WEBMPMI15. That's WEBMPMI15. For more information and to register today, visit PerformanceMarketingInsights.com. 
Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and um, we're talking to Jason Salzman, and um, he is just just a wealth of of enthusiasm and ideas on we have this this interesting space. Um, where do you, where do you see your company um, a year from now or five years from now? That's a great question. I mean, it's, to me, you know, there's no secret. You know, the startup fad that's going on right now, not only is it producing sustainable businesses, but there's also there's kind of a gold rush to it. There's a little bit of a bubble going on. We'd be kind of, you know, ignorant to say that there isn't just given the amount of financing that's, that's being raised and not being raised towards these things. Um, and with the growth of, of individual startups out there, you know, we're thriving as a co-working space quicker than ever, um, and these spaces such as ours um, is, are thriving around us, and that's why you see, I believe, a direct increase, you know, in co-working spaces, in the opportunities that are out there. Um, but I see a bigger picture in the way we've actually learned to collaborate with one another through co-working. I think that co-working far supersedes um, start the startup world. I think that co-working and collaborative and a collaborative work environment breeds um, innovation uh, in products and 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 things that are being built can be built much better in an open environment. Um, I had a, I'm not going to mention who, but I had a major 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 media organization that was in my space that looked around and said, "Whoa, you know, this is an open environment. It's amazing. You know, we did a study." And this is speaking of the of the large organization. We did the study on our cubicles. We lowered the cubicles by two feet, and everything got so much more got done. You know, so I said, take the cubicles out. And they're like, whoa, 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 we're not ready for that. But my point is that these centers and co-working spaces can very well be educational resources for companies can come in and learn to collaborate with one another, get rid of that that hit that secretive veil. That has been, uh, I, I believe, uh, a, a, at one point a good growth tool in in a capitalistic society. But I feel that that that's over. I feel like the age of developing in a vacuum is dead. And the more secretive you are, the less potent your product's going to be, especially with the social uh, aspect and and social growth of of this uh, of the world these days. So. Things need to be built in an open environment, and I feel like, to answer your question, I know this is a long version, but to answer your question, I feel that huge organizations can learn and come into our space and take some time into this space to see how to work collaboratively, to see, you know, knock down the bureaucratic channels, 
start innovation labs, you know, inside spaces such as Alley NYC. And I feel that we very well might become a learning center to these organizations and or have products outside these bureaucratic channels to get things done. For instance, if a large organization wants to build a product but doesn't want it to come out three years later, have it built in a space like ours where we actually can validate it through a crowdsource method through one of our many startups here, such as you know, Lean Startup Machine is actually in our space, and they teach you how to validate your ideas and assumptions, and they work with you know, the, they work with the White House. They work with the, they just had a, had a, at an event at, at the USP, their workshop at the United Postal Service, which definitely needs help, obviously, right now, <laughs> um, to, to validate their ideas. And, um, you know, we have that in our space where, you know, come in with your ideas, we'll validate it, you know, we'll build it, and then we'll, we'll can you, you know, a finished product that, you know, that, that, that works for your business outside, you know, the bureaucratic channels of getting it done these days. So there's a lot. Um, I don't know exactly what it's going to be. We're vetting some ideas right now. But it looks like building products for big business and teaching a different way of working to big business is definitely in the, in the long-term picture. Now, Jason, just as, you know, as a lawyer, uh, to, uh, as a matter of public policy, I don't know if we want the Postal Service to be badass. <laughs> right, I know. I I said, what's there to validate? Just shut shut down. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, in terms of the people you attract, how do you look for certain types in terms of selecting who's coming in? Or yeah, well, we do. Um, it's a very it's a very good. It, we really do not consider us a technology space. We consider us uh, more of an entrepreneurial hub where entrepreneurs can come and build their businesses. Um, so with that, um, we really look for people that are, that are into the community aspect because essentially we've created a community. Um, we kind of take that arrogant stance on uh, that's so prevalent in startups, either from the valley or even in the alley. Um, you know, there's this... There's this kind of holier-than-now attitude, this poshy attitude that has been developed, and we really try to break that down and say, you know, we don't want you here. If you're open to have your ideas looked into and to help people and to get help and to just grow your product collaboratively, then we are, we are into having you here. And the way we really vet that is we meet everybody. I am, I've started this place when, with dirt on the ground, and I meet everybody. Um, I have a really good support staff. Um, my, my, my lead guy, my head guy, my chief of operations, his name is, is NC, uh, like North Carolina. And we, we have meetings, we interview people before they come in, and we have a conversation. How could the community benefit this person, and how could this person benefit the community? It's really not about Ali NYC. It's about the community that we have here. And on that system of methodology that we grew this place, it's becoming a, a really special place. And I suggest that anybody who's thinking about co-working space as a business model has to take that into consideration when they're opening it. They have to understand the environment that they're getting into. Um, because we've gotten approached, you know, by other states and other countries to open up co-working spaces. And the one thing we tell everyone is, you know, as if I'm going to consult in any type of way, is to find out the environment there, you know, how to tap into the environment, how to make a space where people wake up in the morning and want to go into the office. And that's not such an easy thing, so...
Well, um, we only have a few minutes left. Um, can you tell us, um, if people want more information, what's the best way to find out about um, LEMYC? Sure. So I, if anybody's interested, they can go on our website. It's alleynyc.com. It's A-L-L-E-Y, uh, N-Y-C, like newyorkcity.com. They could tweet us at alleynyc, um, and uh, that's probably the best way of reaching us. If you're in Manhattan, you could stop by. We're at 507th Avenue on the 17th floor. Uh, you can't miss us. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants a tour, I'm more than happy to show them around. If anybody's interested in any sponsorship opportunities to be part of the community, we have an open policy for that. You can come in and check out uh, our community and see how we can get you involved. And, you know, I think that that's the best way to do it. Well, I definitely want to thank you. It's been a pleasure having you, and um, you're, you're such an um, enthusiastic spokesperson for this space and this industry. Um, it's been a pleasure having you, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to enjoy following how your, your company and the space grows over the next years or two. Thank you very much for having me, and thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, it's been great. Thanks again. So, um, as I said, that we're broadcasting live from IOLA, and uh, which is a, another co-working space in Hollywood, actually right directly across from the Roosevelt Hotel, where the first Academy Awards were held, and which actually is a famously haunted. Um, you hear ton, tons of stories, even some of them involving Montgomery Cliff, um, a famous actor. So um, that is a you know, where we are, and um, so our second segment, we're going to be talking to someone who resides here. Um, he's a, a tenant, and his name is Justin Mason. He's the founder of Jam Studios, and I, I've met with him and um, had dinner with him the other night, and he's just a fascinating gentleman, and I'm sure he's going to be on the show for a variety of other reasons because this guy is up and coming, and um, he, he definitely has a vision for his business that I think is going to attract a lot of other people. Um, and Justin, um, thank you for, for hosting us here today at IOLA. Um, tell us a little bit about Jam Studios. So Jam Studios, previously I set it up as a one-stop shop for creative marketing for clients and whatnot. Uh, lately, it's been more about incubating some of my own ideas. Um, ultimately, my background's in industrial design. From the time I was 14 to 18, I was working in product design. So I learned the whole process of bringing ideas to life. And Jam Studios is a company that's designed, that is creating a duplicatable model for bringing ideas to life across technology, entertainment, and design. So um, you know, what made you choose, you know, uh, well, first of all, co- uh, co-looking, uh, co-looking. <laughs> Um, this is live. Um, what made you choose a co-working space and, and, and then once you made the decision with YO, IOLA? So I happened to fall upon it. I did a speaking engagement after raising a bunch of money through crowdfunding, and I was invited to do a speaking engagement, and it happened to be here. And I knew nothing about co-work before that, but when I came here, it was completely crowded, and the person in charge, Chris, had can't come up and talk to me after, my, after I was done speaking, and he said, you know, it's a curated space. They're recruiting certain types of people, um, and they're creating this environment. And it just sounded right up my alley as far as entrepreneurship and being surrounded by other people like me. So that's how I found out about it. And, and so once you made that decision, um, 
you know, what what was it like you know, for your initial kind of transition to the space? You know, was, was there any any issues or any th- expectations you had that you know, were you had to adjust? Um, you just kind of what's the adaptation to a space like this versus you know, everyone's kind of worked in a traditional office at one point in time? It was really really easy to adapt. Basically, you find a place to sit. It seems like people kind of end up in the same places over and over again. But you find an open table. At the time, I had a team. And you go in there and you sit and you start working and you start meeting other people around you. They introduce themselves. You introduce yourself to them. Uh, and one of the cool things is, is you'll be working all day long and then at night people will just start showing up for an event. And it's like the networking comes to you, which is really cool. So the one thing you have to adapt to, I'd say, is the fact that there's always new people coming in and there can be a little bit of a distraction in that there's so much opportunity around and there's so many people with different types of projects that you could find yourself if you're a talker like me, you can find yourself talking to a bunch of different people and getting distracted. I guess in terms of getting distracted, is this in the give and take? Um, you know, to the extent that it is collaborative, you know, if people you're always being asked to give, you never get to one either take or two, you never get your, your work done. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, as far as getting your work done, that's up to you. People will definitely respect your time and your availability. Um, For me, I've had a really great opportunity. There's a company called Rovit who had seen my working ethic and who had seen what I do. And they actually came up to me and started asking me for advice. And the next thing you know, I'm on an advisor and I have stock in their company. But at the same time, I'm able to go back to them and bring him on as an advisor to my company. So the give and take seems to be really, really uh, fair. Is Rovit here? Uh, Rovit's here at IOLA. Uh, It's a company kind of like iTunes online, Mm -hmm. except what they do is instead of taking 30% of the content provider's money when they sell, let's say, a dollar video or music, Rovit will give all the profit to the content provider and just makes money on advertising. So as you work together, um, there's the other element is that these, to an extent, they're they're your competitors in terms of um, possibly you could be in the same market, but also your, your competitors in, in, in ter- the eyes of getting money from venture capitalists who come here all the time. And so how does that tension work? And you know, have, you ever, have you ever heard of anything of you know, people saying, well, he's, you know, he's sneaking around trying to steal my trade secrets or anything like that? You know, there's companies, for instance, like Film Break and Rovit, who are both in the film business and both in the distribution side, and they seem to be very, very friendly uh, you know, recommend certain contacts to each other. The nice thing is, is that, like, for instance, with venture capital, it's all about introductions. And so having similar like-minded companies introduce you to other capitalists, assuming that they trust you and that you're vetted through them, uh, actually opens up opportunities. In some cases, like, let's say, for me, I do some graphic design work, there are other graphic designers here. Um, so that does create a competition in a way, and certain people you know, based on their abilities, are going to find more work than others. And uh, as this has progressed, I mean, you, you've, you started talking about how you initially got here, and that was because you were giving a talk on um, crowdfunding. And you're actually working on a book, I believe, on crowdfunding and, and using Kickstarter. Sure, yeah. I'm putting together a book called Breaking the Kickstarter Code. Uh, it's interesting. Because I was successful, we did a campaign that was 220 k on Kickstarter. We raised the first seventy-five grand, which was our goal in the first three days. So because of that success, I've, I've almost landed in this niche of a market for these crowdfunding events. Um, and I'm, I'm actually putting together a book called Breaking the Kickstarter Code, 
which is just a very simplified and duplicatable model to create successful campaigns. What was the, um, the campaign that you were successful with um, for Kickstarter? It was a film called Space Command, um, spacecommandmovie.com. You can find out more. Um, but a bunch of science fiction luminaries came together, guys from Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica and all kinds of great shows. They came together and said, you know what, the studio system sucks. We want to bypass that, and we want to go to the fans to greenlight this film. And they were among the first to do it. We were real early in Kickstarter's uh, success and in their growth. And we were in the right place at the right time. And they had a great fan base that we were able to capture and drive to Kickstarter. And it, and it worked out fantastically. Do you have any, any other projects in the work on Kickstarter? Um, sure. I'm working on something kind of neat with uh, that could be potential with a bunch of YouTube stars. Uh, one of the things about Kickstarter, a lot of people make mistakes, is that they don't have a fan base in advance or they don't properly prepare. In this case, uh, you know, I've often talked about how a YouTube star might be more effective than a celebrity whose name everyone knows because they have a fan following who are subscribed and uh, they're talking to them every day. They know how to put out calls to action that really work. So somebody with a social media following makes all the difference in the world. And I'm, I'm really hoping that this goes through and that we get started on this project. It could be big. So I read an article about how you know, it, the whole explosion of gangman style last year and how it was because you know, the record companies in, in South Korea, they get YouTube, they get viral. And so they package their material just for that purpose. And so then when they go on tour, you know, they already develop their fan base through YouTube. So it's easy to contact them and say, hey, we're going to be in Cincinnati or wherever, you know, come buy our tickets. And you know, that's kind of what you're talking about, I think. Once you have subscribers, once you have people following you, obviously there's a difference between a true fan and somebody who just likes your page. Uh, there's an article you can look up called A Thousand True Fans. But, yeah, I mean, once you have some true fans, then it's all about your pitch. It's about the information you put in front of them. Uh, in my case, I came up with a way to do visual storytelling, which at the time was different than anyone else was doing on Kickstarter. It's the ability to uh, tell your story from top to bottom on Kickstarter using graphics. Um, and telling it visually, because they say number one rule in Hollywood is people don't like to read. So how can you give your pitch visually both, you know, before anyone watches your video, you do it through graphics and telling a story. Of course, naturally, this being radio, we're going to do everything visually the rest of the show. But um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more on um, Coworkapalooza. Um, you're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social PPC and failed? You're not alone. These days, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube require true specialists to dominate. Aim clear. The agency brings definitive psychographic targeting, bleeding edge creative, and content amplification to the social advertising table. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. 
I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. This is Ben and Kelly. We're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report, and uh, we've been talking about Coworkapalooza, um, this amazing phenomena of um, co-working locations that have just taken off. Um, some other statistics that are kind of of interest, if you look at how this space has grown over the um, the last couple of years, it, it's phenomenal. Um, you know, it's you know, we said earlier, 670 spaces in 2010, um, 2010 to now over 2,000 spaces. Um, the average price in the U.S. is um, $250 for a desk, and but there's also been some survey reports that show that it's been quite effective. Um, some are more participants are more motivated. Ninety-one percent now have better interactions with others. Half of the people who participate um, report higher incomes. Um, over half are more relaxed at home since co-working. Ninety-two percent are highly satisfied or satisfied with the co-working space, and seventy-eight percent of the co-workers are under forty. And which actually would now be the case here with Justin, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, I'm twenty-five. And, and so, what is the um, what is the age range here generally? What would you say the median age is here in Hollywood? Gosh, it it, it pretty much ranges. There's not a lot of people over fifty. Um, I would say anywhere from thirty to forty would probably be the median. Would be the you know would be a little bit closer to average, I guess. Um, but there's really there's anything from young people, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, all the way up to you know a little bit older. Mostly in a you know, anyone who's older, you wouldn't really realize that they're, you know, 40 or 50. Kind of like me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a paid spot. Um, and uh, one thing we were talking about earlier is, is, is how, he, you know, how he chose it. And, but we don't really explain necessarily what, what, what his setup is. You have a um, desk arrangement where you do not have a fixed desk, but you can locate anywhere um, and you pay a, a, a monthly fee kind of close to the average? Yeah, so I like to l- describe it as a little bit of a louder library. You walk in, there's tons of places to sit, there's a few conference rooms in the back that you can grab, and a printer and some little phone booths. Um, so imagine just walking into a library where you can sit anywhere you want, sit next to the pretty girl or sit next to the techie dude who you think can help you out. Um, and then as far as pricing and whatnot goes, I'm on the $200 membership, which is... I think you can come in something like twice a week. Um, maybe I get away with a little more. But you can come in like twice a week or three times a week. 
um, during certain hours and you know, and work when you want. There's also a $400 membership, which is 24-7, uh, seven days a week. You're good to come in anytime. You've got key cards to walk in the door, and, um, and you're here. Uh, we were talking earlier with Jason, and um, aside from having a, a promotion announcement that they're the, the, the baddest, the baddest this, um, place on the, on the planet, they also had stressed that their uh, philosophy is one of their rules is no douchebaggery. And, uh, you know, obviously when you're in a place like this, you're working with others, you know, learning how to play in the same sandbox is an issue. And uh, how, how does that um, develop here? Yeah, so first off, you know, a lot of these uh, workspaces have their own niche. So in their case, it's the most badass spot. In this case, it's the, it's the hub of entertainment and technology. Um, so that's definitely something to look for is which one fits your niche. As far as the no douchebaggery rule, it's, it's true. It, one douchebag will bring everything down, and it really is true. I've had somebody involved here who we had to get rid of and take away his key card personally um, just because you don't want that in your workspace. So positive vibes and all that good stuff. The nice thing is, is that if the management, you know, the management keeps their eyes open. So if there is somebody who they don't want here who seems to be doing the wrong things or just isn't really a nice person in the community, they will do something about it. So that's the ultimate word. I mean, the word we've heard most, I think if you did a, a word check of the transcript, the community is the one word that keeps coming up. And, and I guess that's the value of it. Now, you, you talked earlier about the value of the community in terms of the people um, with, who reside here. What about the fact that you, this is now a hub that, um, as I was talking earlier with Jason, that one thing I think that's what's brilliant about this space is that they've made themselves a middleman for a market that didn't exist, you know, or wasn't well formed, and now now is. It's easy, you know. I'm going to all these events as a lawyer to, for startups and at places like this in Santa Monica and elsewhere. It's to talk to startups, and um, where before it was just you know you kind of had to you know do a shotgun approach and hope you found them. So, um, what's it like now that you have this middleman, basically, you know, for lack of a better word, pimping for you, you know, with all these different um, you know players that can really help your business grow? Yeah, it's funny. Pimping is the right word. You know, Chris, who is the guy who founded and who runs IOLA here, he's a networking machine, and he's introducing people to to everyone else. And you know, if you ask him for advice or ask him for an introduction. You know, assuming that you're vetted by him, he will give you that introduction. Um, so that's a huge opportunity. And then the fact that there's this whole community. You know, I'm in I'm in Hollywood, but especially Santa Monica, um, but all around Los Angeles, there's these various places. That's a community of people like yourself, and a community of events and things going on. It's like I could literally never be bored at night, just going to tech events. And I'd say the best part for me is is you know, when I go to a bar, what do you approach somebody and talk to them about? It's kind of small talk. But when you go to one of these networking events, you're often at a bar. There's often pretty girls around. But <laughs> it makes it really easy to talk to people. It's, it's you're around like-minded people. So what do you do? Well, I'm in this. Oh, you're in tech too. Very cool. And you have something very similar to talk about. So you end up making some of the best friends you could ask for. It's much easier to approach people. And it really validates that you're on the right path as an entrepreneur. It's interesting, you know. I have I used to be involved in political fundraising, and I, I used to say the same thing. The, you know, the great thing about it is, 
Um, I used to joke that you know, now I know I take Kennedy got into politics, but you know there's, there's always um, there's always a party, and um, and there's always attractive women, and you know, as, as being single at the time, and um, but they're they're intelligent people and they're like-minded people. So these are people you want to be around anyway, and so it just creates a fun environment. And so I, I really enjoyed all the events that we went to and you know, did over the, the course of the time I was involved in that. You know, a lot of interesting venues, and you met historic figures. You know, get to go to Bobby Kennedy's house, and um, and so it, it sounds like you're having that same experience just in, in the tech world. I think I, I saw something on Facebook. It was one of those little memes, those picture memes on Facebook. It was a guy named uh, Jeff Bezos. It was a picture of him, and it was a quote that said something along the lines of, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, be prepared to be misunderstood for long periods of time. And that is totally true for me within my family, within my own personal friendship circle and people from high school and so on. Definitely very misunderstood. It's definitely a different career path. It takes longer to build an income. Um, but, of course, you have a bigger opportunity where they might get capped at a $100,000 a year job. You could be making millions and millions, if not billions, doing what you do. It. So the time that it takes to reach those points can be often longer. Um, but as a entrepreneur in this community, it takes me away from my friends and family who are on their set career paths. And it puts me with other people like myself that, once again, just validate that, yeah, you probably are on the right track. And yes, it's okay to be doing what you're doing, even though it's off the beaten path. Um, so it's almost becoming its own beaten path, which is a canvas that you can create for yourself, as opposed to just filling in the, you know, coloring by numbers. You know, we're, it's interesting because we're talking about basically our, you're a risk taker. I mean, and from what I've heard from of your career so far, which and I'm sure. You know, this is just a snippet, and we're, we're definitely going to enjoy following the rest of it because I'm quite confident um, that this is um, just a, this is spring training for what is probably going to be a very successful season for you. But um, that you know, we're talking about people who take risk, and th- that isn't everyone. And and what this does, in a sense, uh, you know, I, maybe I'm not, maybe that's true. I don't, it just creates a pool for being with other risk takers who are like minded. And and also because it's a um, a co-working space, people who don't have their own space per se, they're they're similarly um, kind of situated. You know, they're all kind of taking the chance um, without maybe the, the huge resources that a lot of people, you know, or someone wealthy might have. So they're all kind of taking the risk and and, and are exposed in a similar manner. Totally. I mean, the truth is, this place beats my garage. It's so much better than a garage. I'm surrounded by, it's so much easier to recruit people than a garage. Um, this is the new, this really is, it's the new garage for, uh, for entrepreneurs and techie type of people. Um, so that's the best answer I could give you for that. Well, I, I, have, a, I have a strong feeling that the, uh, the owners would be very upset if I had uh, set up a basketball hoop on the outside of it, just like I did at my garage at home. But surprisingly open to it, actually. I think that if you brought in a little basketball, that as long as it didn't make too much noise, they'd be pretty open to it. Uh, that's one of the fun things. Is you, it really is. You can create your own space. The only thing you really can't do that I suppose I complain about is that you really can't put stuff up on the walls. Um, so maybe making a little bit more opportunity for that in different co-work spaces would be cool. I can understand that. That's because we all, even when they were temporary, we all to a certain extent personalize our space. You know, some people bring pictures even when they travel 
And, you know, I used to have, in every office I've had since I graduated college, I've had certain pictures, you know, um, just from where I'm from and you know, where my father and, and things like that. And um, so, um, yeah, I, I can understand that. Maybe we can talk about Nerf basketball. That might be the solution. And uh, so we, we only have a, a few minutes left, but, I, um, you know, Justin, is there anything else you, you want people to know about or what's the best way people can find out more about, you know, your deciding things you're working on? Yeah, so you can find out more about what I do at jamstudios.tv, J-A-M-studios.tv. Uh, you can look me up at Facebook, facebook.com slash Justin Massian. Twitter is at jamstud. Um, but, yeah, I mean, friend me on Facebook. That's the best way. Or shoot me an email, justin at jamstudios.tv. And thank you very much. You know, we had dinner at the, the Roosevelt, which I mentioned was haunted. And, and just coincidentally, Justin pulls out uh, on his iPhone a photo of a, a ghost, and, uh, which, you know, obviously we can convey perfectly on radio. Um, not. So in any event, I want to thank you all for joining us um, for this special edition live from IOLA. And um, we're still part of Silicon Beach here. And, um, but this is a, definitely a space to watch. I think given the rapid growth, um, there, it's going to be continue to be a way for companies to start up and have, have workspace um, that they didn't have. Like as, as Justin said, this beats a garage. And um, so um, definitely keep your eyes on it. And another thing that I've noticed is also middlemen are, are coming in involved with middlemen now. Um, there's there's um, websites I'm seeing that allow you to book um, space at any number of these you know, co-working spaces across the world. And so it's, it's really becoming this burgeoning market. And the ultimate sign that this is a big market is that they have their own trade show um, Actually, um, next month in Austin is the um, their first um, trade show for um, the co-working um, group, and it's going to be in Austin um, in March. And so um, if you're interested, check that out. But this is about Ben Bennett Kelly. Um, we're live from IOLA, and it's been a pleasure being here. I want to thank IOLA again, and uh, I want to thank Harrow again for getting us such talented guests. And so we will be... Um, live from Santa Monica next week. But until then, quarters are adjourned. Have a great week, and we will talk to you then. This is Cyberlog. This is. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.